Hey, hey, what is up, Rock and friends? This is Rob Chappell, your host, and you are listening to another episode of Talkin' Flock, your full Mingo podcast. But you probably knew that already. You you intentionally clicked something or tapped something on your phone to make this audio happen in your ear. So I thank you for doing that. Um, wherever you are listening to this, if you can, if you can just pull your phone out again real quick and just follow this podcast or subscribe to this podcast or whatever it is you do on whatever platform you're listening to it and give us a rating and a review that boosts us up the algorithm and helps more weirdos uh, find us and listen um, and, and actually listen to me rant about football for an hour or so every week. And I would really appreciate that assistance. Um, we are going to, uh, this is going to be me to, to today for the most part. Uh, we do have a, a wonderful guest, a great interview with uh, Ford Madison goalkeeper, Martin Sanchez, which you knew because you've read the episode notes probably, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and um, we're talk about the friendly. Uh, we're going to talk about some league news and, and I'm going to rant a little bit. Um, so, Let's talk first about forward Madison news. Um, the contract, the 25-day contract of forward Demetrius Kagea has expired and has not been renewed, so he has returned to trialist status. Right? We'll talk more about him when we get to the friendly, but basically he was brought in on a 25-day contract. Uh, he was almost signed in the offseason, was not signed in the offseason. He's been kind of hanging around as a trialist. Gets a 25-day contract um, basically to add depth uh, to, to in training, had an extra body in training, first of all, because they had they needed some uh, extra tra- training bodies, and uh, because they had some injury issues, they had Wolfgang Frentis get pulled back to Oakland. You had Morris Chero out for a week. <coughs> um, excuse me, and um, so that's what he was there for. Did not uh, see any game minutes in league play. He did play a lot in the friendly, which we'll get to, um, but has not been renewed. I was hoping that he would get a contract to extend the rest of the season did not for the, at this moment. I want to talk about is a new club coming into USL league one. Uh, we knew Spokane was getting a USL league one club uh, to begin play next season. Um, and uh, they announced their branding and their identity and their crest uh, this week on Friday. Uh, they are going to be known as the Spokane velocity. If you watch their uh, announcement video, you can see that they really are anchoring their identity in the Spokane River, which goes right through the heart of the city and is obviously a very important piece of the identity of that community, um, which is, is great that they're really, I mean, I just love it when, when a club really anchors itself in the geography and the geology even and the, the topography and the, the sort of the, the fabric of a community, right, or a city. So the crest, the color is this very beautiful teal, uh, which will look great on a soccer shirt. And as Walkin' 90 said, if you can't make a great kit out of that color, you got to be relegated. Um, but the crest is also very nice. Uh, it's asymmetrical, which I always appreciate, an asymmetrical crest that works. Not all of them work. This one does, um, I think. It's got four horizontal stripes in sort of a cascade pattern. Um, representing the four waterfalls that are in and around Spokane. I've never been to Spokane. I look forward to going on an away day, maybe in sometime in the next few years. Maybe that'll be a fun away trip for us. So it's really nice um, to welcome uh, the Spokane Velocity and the Pacific Northwest to our humble little league here. 
Um, now, third thing I want to mention news-wise before we get to the analysis of the friendly, which uh, I'll be honest, will not be a lot of analysis of the friendly because we don't have the um, advantage of video to watch it back, nor do we have the advantage of knowing who all the guys were on the field, <laughs> frankly. So, But anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. First, I want to, uh, Union Omaha fans, cover your ears. I'm going to rant about your coach for a minute. Uh, and the USL League One's or USL's response to your coach. Um, I'm sure some of you might have seen he uh, was on video on the official Union Omaha Twitter feed after their 2-1 win at midweek last week over Knoxville. Um, he started to talk about the red card that was given in that game. And he is 100% right. It was not a red card offense. It was a. It was just a coming together of two guys. Might have been a foul. Um, I don't even think it was a yellow card foul. But one of the players got sent off. Uh, it was ridiculous. I'm not sure if it's been overturned or not. I kind of think it should be if it hasn't been because it was a dumb, bad call. However, I can say that. Uh, Rich and Brian and other Union Omaha podcasters can say that. Dominic Casciato cannot say that. Um, 2019, Daryl Shore said to me after a game that the refereeing was shocking. That's the word he used. Shocking how bad the refs were. And uh, uh, one of the PR guys, Cuba, came up after the game, or after the interview, and kind of said, I, I know I can't tell you what's right, but if you could maybe not include that. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Cuba, I can't not include that. I, I can't. It's not how journalism works, right? I can't, like, write the story to favor you or to, to not get you in trouble. I didn't highlight that. I didn't focus on it. I just mentioned that he said that and, like, toward the bottom of the story. And he got a one-game suspension for one remark about refereeing in one game. Contrast that to Dominic Cassiato. Spoke for a minute and a half about that decision and about how all year long the referees have been out to get Union Omaha. He said that they've had five penalties awarded against them, four of which he questioned. And they've never been awarded a penalty. And he listed a few examples of when they should have been. Um, he, said it's, 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 <laughs> he said it's hurting the integrity of the game how many, quote, calls have gone against us. Yes, Dom. Calls against you, specifically, have hurt the integrity of the game. And the league has to step in. The league has to do something. And then after a minute and a half of this, <clears throat> he says, oh, but I don't want to make it about the referees. I kind of think you do, Dominic. I think you did want to make it about the referees, and you did just that. And your social media team edited the video to put it together. You can you can see those jump cuts. Like they purposely chose the sound bites that were complaining about how biased the refs are against Union Omaha and put them into this package. It was a two and a half minute video, one and a half minute of which was all about the referees. But no, you don't want to make it about the referees. Okay. So let's say he's right, which he probably is. 
He's probably mostly right. I haven't watched all the Union Omaha games, so I don't know, but he's probably right. You can't say that out loud publicly if you're a head coach in this league, in any league. To paraphrase, if I may, the great Walter Subcheck, Smokey, this isn't Nam. It's soccer. There are rules. If you get that reference, you're probably my age. And you're probably a white man. <laughs> the rules are here, coaches and players are not allowed to criticize the refereeing. And why, why is that important? And why am I mad about it? The game depends on the referee having the final say. And only being countermanded by the league when appropriate. Like a, the league can say that referee made an error. The league can overturn a red card. But it, let's say you're shown a red card. When that that player for Union Omaha was given that erroneous red card, what is it that compelled him to leave the field? It's there's nothing legal in it, right? There's nothing. 100% compelling him to leave the pitch, except that we have this collective agreement. We have unanimous consent among soccer players and fans and coaches that the referee has absolutely 100% control of that match. But soccer is a little bit unique in this way in that the, the game happens between the lines, right? Coaches have some influence, make substitutions and stuff. Uh, but for the most part, the game happens between the lines, and the man or woman who is in the middle, the center referee, has three assistants, but it's the center referee who is 100% in charge of that match, and we all agree to that, and we have to agree to that, or the whole thing doesn't work. So when you get people who are supposed to be representing that and are, who have to be bought into it, the fans don't have to be bought into it, but the participants in the match must be bought into it. The participants in the match have to agree 100% that the referee's in charge. If the referee, When the referee blows the whistle, we stop playing. When the referee says the ball goes this way, the ball goes this way. When the referee says, uh, I'm getting a yellow card, I have to take the yellow card. When the referee gives me a red card, I have to leave the pitch. When the referee tells me to stop playing so rough and not to injure people, I have to do that. Right. So when you have one of the participants publicly criticizing the referees, that begins to undermine that unanimous consent. When you have one of the clubs, one of the 12 clubs who are participants in this league, who have paid a lot of money to be in this league, posting it on their official like social media accounts, their, their Twitter account, their X account, whatever the hell it's called now. Um, you have the, uh, one of the clubs undermining that unanimous consent. So, you have that whole problem. But secondly, and maybe more importantly, criticizing the referees is our thing, Dom. Leave it to the podcasters. Leave it to the fans on Twitter. Leave it to the fans in the Ford Madison support group on Facebook. Leave it to the fans on threads to criticize the referees. We got it, Dom. We will do that. We will... We will make every excuse for you. When you lose, and you, what you're supposed to say, Dom, 
is no excuses, no excuses. We just didn't play well enough. But the thing is, he made this big, long rant of criticism after a win so that he couldn't be accused of making excuses. But regardless, when you lose, when you don't play well enough, we will blame the refs for you. That'll be your cover. You don't have to do that. We will 100% blame the refs. And then, uh, you know, when Fort Madison loses, we'll blame the refs. And then your Union Omaha fans can be like, Madison fans making excuses again. We don't argue among the coaches. You're sort of upsetting a very delicate balance in the soccer ecosystem when you tread into our lane. Our lane is bitching about the refs. Your lane is not making excuses and coaching the game and, and, and saying, you know, one game at a time kind of stuff. Now, the league's failure to suspend Dominic Cassiano, which, by the way, uh, he should not have been managing Saturday. He was. Um, the result maybe was a little bit of karma. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, there, there seems to have been a fine involved. The, um, I did email the league and ask about this, not, not, not in a complaining way, but as a journalist. I wanted to know, how did he get away with this? And they said they're handling it internally and that any discipline um, against um, clubs or coaches or players will not be publicly disclosed, to which I say, what the hell? <laughs> how is that a, a deterrent then? What's, where's the, where, what's to stop Matt Glazer? from complaining about the ref in a press conference Wednesday night. Right? There's a press conference after every home game. Home game. I'm going to ask him, how was the refereeing? And he will say, oh, no excuses. We're not, you know. But so is the league not interested in uh, enforcing these rules at all? Or is it just some clubs and some coaches that have a longer lease than others? Would Matt Glazer get away with a minute and a half long rant about the referees? Not in a million years. No way would Mac Glazer get a pass. And no way would Ford Madison get a pass. I mean, they might actually, you know what, now that I say that out loud, they might this year because they're good. Because Ford Madison's near the top of the table. They have a rabid following on Twitter. Maybe Ford Madison will get away with it. Maybe Matt Glazer should try it. Jimmy Weekly get away with that in Chattanooga? No. Anybody get away with that in uh, Fresno? No way. Would Eamon Zayad get away with that? I doubt it. So anyway. That's my rant for today. You know Omaha fans, you can uncover your ears now. <clears throat> I'm really fine. I'm not that upset about it. But I think the, the league should maybe... I mean, when we complain about the refs, remember, we always say this, all we want is consistency. I'd like to see that, the rule, against, uh, with regards to player and coach conduct off the field, also enforced consistently. All right, let's turn the page. Let's forget about that. I've been ranting about that too long now. Um, let's talk about the friendly. Um, we the friendly was on a Thursday night. It was a beautiful night. Um, 
I I typically don't go to friendlies. I think the last friendly I went to um, that wasn't preseason, there was like a, you know these these mid season um, international friendlies. The last time I went to might have been Minnesota United in 2019. I typically don't go to these. Um, just because, you know, it's a 45-minute drive for me. I'm at every home game anyway. Um, uh, I, I, I There's not a lot of podcasting value in a friendly, so I typically uh, skip them. But I went to this one because there wasn't a home game, and I needed something to talk about. But also, um, my wife and daughter went to uh, Beyonce. So my son and I were home alone, and <laughs> we said, let's go, to, let's go to see some football. And it was fun. I'm glad I went. I'm really glad I went. Um, let's think about what. why do we play friendlies. We play friendlies against these international clubs um, in order par- partly to give our fans a look at a really cool international club. Here to Berlin, you know, a Bundesliga team coming to Madison, Wisconsin. That's awesome. Uh, Minnesota United coming here for a night. That was great. Um, uh, uh, Puma Sabasco last year coming was was so cool, and this year it's Atlante, which is a storied historic Mexican club. Currently, sort of you know, scuffling the last few years in the second division now, um, but long you know long history, long deep history with this club. Um, so it's and it's to let the fans see some guys they don't normally see from our side too, and it gives the coaches a chance to see those guys, to give guys like Robert Screen, Eric Connerty, Morris Acero, um, Tino Vasquez, Demetrius Kigea, give, give them a 90 minutes, or, you know, maybe not full 90, but like more than five minutes at the end of a match. Um, and, and, and get a look at them and see how they're developing in a game situation, right? The, the coaches see these guys every day in practice, but throwing a game situation is different. And... The friendly is a chance to try out some new guys and to get a look at some new guys and, and, and to give the new guys some chance to get some tape. Is it, uh, I don't know who all the trialists were. And I'm not being cagey when I say that. Um, I mean, we were asked not to reveal the names of the trialists, which I couldn't do because I don't know them anyway. And we do have four visiting players from Chicago House. Um, so, uh, you know, the club will, will have video of this match. Um, it wasn't televised, but the club was taking video of it. Uh, and presumably those guys can get some, some clips of that and show their agents and, you know, whatever. Um, now given all that, that it's supposed to be just entertaining for us, for the fans to, to give some guys a run, try some new guys, try to get a result. But it's mostly just for fun, right? Um, it might have been a slightly more entertaining match if Matt put these new guys that have never played together before into sort of a back to basics four four two. He was trying to he had them running the three five two that we've seen all season. Uh, and I gotta tell you, we are spoiled now in the way uh, Ford Madison on a normal day-to-day basis runs the three-five-two. Seeing it run without uh, that kind of unit cohesion when it's not working all that well uh, wasn't all that interesting. It wasn't all that fun. Um, when when the three-five-two is humming, 
and Madison has possession for long spells and can do something crazy like 28 passes leading to a goal like they did in their last game. Um, that is just so much fun. That is such good football to watch. Even if you don't know anything about football and you don't know why that's fun, it's fun to watch when it's clicking and when it's humming and when you get an overloaded midfield and um, uh, a right back that genuinely plays as a defender when we're out of possession, but as a wing back when we're in possession. Uh, and when you have basically a, a, always have a one or two man advantage in the central third and you're able to possess for long periods of time and probe and, and pull back and switch play. Um, it's very entertaining and it's very effective. However, it requires a great deal of unit cohesion. And we didn't have that as much last year, which is why it kind of fell apart. And we do have it this year, which is why it's working. And, and when you have, uh, when you, first of all, when you change people's position and when you put, for example, Morris Sichero playing the six and you have midfielder Eric Connerty in the back line. Uh, and then you have four guys that have never played with any of these other guys before outside of training. Um, it's just not as it just doesn't work as well. Uh, it's it's a it's a difficult system to play on a good day, and, and it's complex and requires a lot of. Um, uh, you have to you have to just have done it for a long time. You have to do it every day. You have to really know it inside and out, and you have to become instinctual. And if you think about it too much, it's not going to work. And that's what was happening on Tuesday. Um, we just didn't have much in the way of possession. So the whole game, and Atlante, to be fair, didn't have a lot of possession either. Um, <clears throat> you know how in the World Cup now, they'll have the possession stats on the screen, and it'll be like, you know, United States, 64%, and or, and then in contests, 10%, and then, you know, Vietnam, 25% or whatever. This one would have been like in contest, 50%. <laughs> like neither, neither side was really holding a lot of possession, which – which made uh, it was more chaotic game than really good football game, um, which is fine. But it might have been better, and you know who am I to criticize? But <clears throat> maybe it, because you have a group of a four four two is easier to play if you just have a group of talented players who aren't really a group yet. If you have ten talented guys or women. Who haven't played together as a unit, everybody can handle a 4-4-2. Right. To take 10 talented players and try to get them to do a 3-5-2 and make it effective isn't it just isn't gonna work as well. So maybe you could have just done it back to basics, 4-4-2, take it easy. Um but it's fine, whatever. Uh so Madison does get off on the front foot. Uh, in the, I want to say the second minute, we had a shot on target. I don't remember who shot it, but it was only not in because an Atlanta player cleared it off the line with a bicycle kick. It was the most incredible thing uh, <laughs> I've seen in a while. Uh, but yeah, Madison almost took a 1 0 lead in the second minute. But then after that, it was pretty much all Atlanta. They, um, they really, really had all the chances. Um, we did do some good defending and we had some great goalkeeping which we'll talk about um, we 
um, talk last week about what we're concerned about for the second half of the season and kind of the consensus among Andrew and Grant and Kelly and I, I'm sorry, Kyle and Grant, Andrew was um, unable to join us for that, which is fine. Um, it was Kyle and Grant and Kelly and myself. The consensus in that midseason roundtable, which go back and listen to it if you haven't listened to it. Those all those co-hosts are so smart about all this stuff. Um, uh, the biggest concern is injury. Uh, primarily concerned, primarily concerned with wingback injuries to Derek Gebhardt and Stephen Payne because that's a very specific role that those two guys are particularly suited for. But Mitch Osmond. Timmy Mel, Jacob Kroll have been so good defensively, and Burn Shipman in goal um, have been such uh, as the the foundation of this team. This team is the identity of this team is a grinded out one nil wins, and you have to have excellent defending to do that, and that's what we have. But if one of those guys goes down, do we have a backup that can step in? Can Sam Brotherton? Robert Screen, Eric Connerty, can those guys step in and take it? And this match showed me that actually probably they can. Because those those second string guys, those substitute guys, those in the wings waiting for the name to be called guys can handle it well. And I want to especially shout out Martin Sanchez. And I'll talk more about him. Uh, in, in a few minutes, and we'll talk. Actually, he's going to join us here very soon. Uh, so, is 0 0 at the halftime? Uh, at halftime, uh, John Pascarella left for some reason. He was, uh, it was announced uh, at the beginning of the second half that the bench had received a red card. So, of course, being nosy and curious, that's like the most important trait of a journalist is to be curious so i ran down and just looked at the bench and i was like who's missing and jp was the only guy missing so so he must have got the record i don't uh, but talking to the um club pr folks shout out to evan for taking my call yesterday um there was no red card listed in the post post match report so there may or may not have actually been a red card might have just been asked to leave, or he might have just decided to leave because he was fed up with the officiating, which was not all that good, to be honest. Um, so we're down a coach in the in the half uh, uh, at halftime. Atlante made eight substitutions. It's a friendly; you can make as many substitutions as you want. Madison didn't take advantage of that. No, he didn't make any substitutions to begin the second half. I think by the end of this match. <clears throat> um, I wasn't really counting, but it seemed like Alante made more than 11 subs. I think they brought some guys on at halftime and then subbed them off because they had a lot of guys. It was, this is their preseason, you understand? So the, the, they wanted to get a lot of guys in. Madison only, I think, made fewer than the normal amount of substitutions, like right around five subs, maybe maybe six or seven by the end of the match, but none at halftime. Um, <clears throat> so about five minutes in the second half, we get our first goal. From the man himself, Demetrius Kagea, who we have to say is no longer on the roster. Um, trialist number 31, who I don't know. He played really well the entire match. Uh, I, I think he might have been one of the Chicago House guys. I'm not sure. 
but he had a nice ball across the box and Demetrius picked it up on the right-hand side. It was kind of carrying it toward the byline, but away from goal. And um, got a little bit of space, a little bit of separation from the defender, pivoted his hips around and got a lot of power on it and, uh, and got it in uh, to give us a one nil uh, lead. It was right in front of the flock end. So of course the flock knows who he is. They know he's the son of their co-founder. <laughs> he's the son of the co-founder of the Mingo ladies and the co-founder of um, Featherstone Flamingos and the co-founder of the flock itself, April Kagea. So, and he's <clears throat> there with them. He's been in the flock end uh, for a lot of games. So to see him score in this game with his name on his back as a member of this club was so very cool. I was so very happy. And I had to think, how many friendlies does this guy have to score in before he gets some minutes with the first team? And now I have to ask, how many friendlies does he have to score in to just be on the roster? I don't know. I'm a homer for him. Like, I'm a little bit biased. But I really, um, and I don't see him in training every day. I don't, you know, and I don't know who he would replace if he'd replace anybody. Um, but man, he looks like he's earned some minutes. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> Atlanta did get an equalizer on a penalty. Um, and then in stoppage time, which by the way, it was not supposed to be stoppage time. This is a friendly. Friendly is supposed to end at 90 minutes. Uh, but these referees forgot that and added four minutes to the game. And the box is very crowded. And a shot came from distance and um, took a deflection. And Martin Sanchez was there, ready to make the save on the original shot, took a deflection, and it went just to his right by about two feet, and he couldn't do a thing about it. So Atlante steals the victory 2-1 in Sabbath time that wasn't supposed to happen. Nobody cares about the result, uh, except that our coaching staff was very upset at the refs for letting this one go for four extra minutes. It would have been one-one draw, and everybody would have been happy with that. But a couple of impressions. First of all, Demetrius Kage, I gotta can't say enough about him. He really does have a Cheney-like quality about him. He's not as tall as Christian Cheney, um, but he has that real physical presence. And he's a stocky kid. Um, he's you know sort of broad-shouldered and muscular. He's not lanky at all, the way like a Morris Cicero or a Jay Nonan are. Uh, he's very stocky and he's very strong and powerful. And uh, once he gets going downhill, you're not going to stop him. And um, he's very uh, smart, and he, he he can hold up really well. And he does well dropping back and aiding in possession the way Cheney does. So I like that. Uh, as you mentioned, the back line is in good hands. Um, a couple of the trialists look very good. But for me, the highlight of the night was Martin Sanchez. Uh, tremendous amount of saves, good saves. He was under a lot of pressure. All night long he was under pressure, and he made the saves. Um, the, the two, the, the one, he didn't save the penalty, uh, which who can? And, uh, and then the, the stoppage time winner, that shouldn't have been going on, <laughs> uh, was a deflection that he could do anything about. He, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, 
somebody block a shot in basketball where they um, basically block the ball against the backboard rather than out, you know, into the court. They hit it against the backboard and it bounces out. He did that playing soccer. I don't think I've ever seen a goalie do that. But there's a cross coming in. I don't I don't think it was a shot. It was kind of a cross, but it was very, very close to the byline. And it was kind of up in the air. And he actually went up and <clears throat> banged it against his own crossbar intentionally. Like he swatted it with his hand toward the goal into the crossbar so it would bounce away. I don't think I've ever seen that happen in a football match. Um, but he was in complete command back there. He's young. He just graduated from Northern Illinois University. Uh, this is, was his professional debut. And uh, he looked like a pro, and he looked like, and I tweeted during the game, if Byrne goes down, we are in good hands. And for me, even though Demetrius scored our goal and was voted fan, you know, obviously he's a fan favorite. Obviously Demetrius, everybody loves Demetrius. Everybody knows Demetrius. So, of course, he was voted by the fans man of the match. But if you think technically about it, for me, the man of the match was Martin Sanchez. And uh, Martin Sanchez joins us now. Martin, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, you bet. Congratulations on that uh, on your pro debut. I know it's friendly, but it's against a great Mexican side, and it's uh, uh, you know it's your it's your first pro action. So, how do you feel after that performance? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I feel happy for finally being able to get on the field, uh, especially in front of the fans. I know a lot of people have been asking me about when I'm going to be able to get out there, and uh, mm -hmm. finally get uh, you know be able to show what what I can do on the field and. Um, you know, just be able to be out there with the guys and especially for my family. They've also been waiting for this moment as well. And yeah, uh, yeah I know it was a friendly, but yeah, it was a great, uh, uh, great opponent, uh, especially me being Mexican, uh, mm -hmm. the historical club in Mexico mm -hmm. so for my family. It was a very exciting game. Was your family able to make it? Yeah. Yeah. They were able to. Make oh, cool. It. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Is there, are they mostly in Minnesota still? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're in Minnesota. So they came down for the game and they Sweet. drove back right after that. So. Awesome. That's, that's so cool. Um, but how, how do you feel you did? I mean, how just in your, in those 90 minutes, do you feel like you uh, showed what you can do and, and, you know, uh, and, and did that help your confidence, hurt your confidence? Where, where are you sitting now? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely coming into the game, um, you know, it's been a while since I've played a full 90. So I was kind of, <laughs> yeah, but uh, in my head a little bit about it before the game, but like once, once as soon as the warm up started, as soon as I touched the ball, I was like, yo, like, this is this is what I do, you know. Like, there's yeah. no need to worry about anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, as soon as warm up started, I was I was locked in. I knew I could play well, and um, you know, the game happened. Um, I had some pretty good actions, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Mistakes here and there, but mistakes happen. You know, can't be perfect in every game. And um, overall, I think I played pretty well. I mean, yeah, the goals that got, I got scored on, um, can, as a goalkeeper, um, not goals that I can you know really be mad mm -hmm. at myself about. You know, a penalty and then the deflection. Uh, the last shot of the game, I uh, was just very unlucky. But um, overall, I think I've played a pretty good game. So, uh, which, as we mentioned earlier, that the game should have been over. It's a friendly. There shouldn't be stoppage time. Yeah, last shot should have even happened. But so, so we won't count it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you, know, you kind of mentioned this, but but uh, were you nervous uh, headed headed into this game uh, and and knowing that your family's there and everything? Um, you're a bit nervous, but but once you get on the field, it's it's just a day at the office, right? Yeah, just like being being antsy before the game. I think it's normal, you know. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like I hadn't played a full ninety since November, since college season, you know. 
Sure. Um, I was only playing like 45 minutes during preseason and then getting little scrimmages here and there during training. So, uh, yeah, a little bit antsy before the game. But like I said, like as soon as I touched the ball, caught the first ball, I was I was relaxed. So, well, I gotta tell you, um, I, I rarely actually go to friendlies. I'm at every home match, you know, for the podcast, but I actually rarely go to the friendlies. Uh, but I'm glad I went to this one because there was some question. Um, you know, last week on the podcast, some of my co-hosts and I were talking about, um, you know, what are we worried about? And one of the worries was that, you know, what if burn goes down? We don't know if we've got a you know solid backup. And I think you answered that question. And I tweeted it during the game. I said, I think we're in good hands uh, <laughs> if burn never goes down or, or if just the coaches just want to shake it up. I mean, you, you, you obviously um, you were. You did great, uh, and 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 Atlante was was on the front foot the whole time. I mean, you were you didn't have much time to relax back there. Yeah, no, yeah, we were pretty much on the defensive uh, the whole the whole game. So uh, <laughs> as a goalie, it was, it was fun for me. It was fun for me, but um, you know, obviously yeah. for the guys, all the running, you know, it was it was a difficult game for them. So. <laughs> right um, now, obviously, another important piece of your of your job is is as you mentioned in those scrimmages and training, where <clears throat> you know you're the you're the guy you back. The, the last guy back against our uh, against your teammates against Christian Cheney and Derek Ebhard and Jaden Nona and those guys. What's it like competing against those guys on an everyday basis? Um, you know, I, I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, I I try to push them as best as I can, and mm-hmm. uh, they obviously easily make me uh, a, a, a better goalkeeper than I was before I came here. You know, they're amazing, amazing, uh, amazing finishers. They got an amazing shot each one of them. Um, but yeah, it's just fun to, to just be sharing the field with them day to day, you know, just to kind of pick up on their little habits that they do and then seeing them do it in game. And, uh, you know, it's just like I kind of know what they're going to do in a game, like which way they like to shoot uh-huh. all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to share the field with them uh, in that aspect. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, just uh, seeing all the shots that they take every game and being able to um, go one on one against them every single day. Uh-huh. Uh, makes me a better player as well. So, who's the guy that gets really mad when you make a great save on him in practice? Cheney, for sure. <laughs> I knew it. I 100% predicted you were going to say yeah, <laughs> he's just competitive like all the time, right? He yeah, all the time. He would be competitive yeah, against like U13 players, probably. Be, yeah, it could be Rondo. It can be. We were. We literally have team dinners and we're playing. Uh, what is it called? Uh, what is a little bean? Uh, cornhole. <laughs> and he's, he's he takes over like he's just competitive about that too and it's like bro the team better man that isn't the other guys play and he's like no no winner stays on winner stays on <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing yeah. i love it so much um but you also in training you've got a couple of uh former goalkeepers over your shoulder right you got matt laser john pascarella both yeah. uh is that is that more pressure on you or is that helpful to you uh, i think it's helpful i think it's definitely helpful because um you know kind of growing up and just kind of in the U.S. as a whole, I guess, soccer as a whole, um, the goalkeeping position is uh, very misunderstood. So I think um, mm. having two goalkeepers, uh, two former goalkeepers, and especially our head coach mm-hmm. uh, and uh, JP just uh, watching over us, um, watching over me, just do all the work that I can, uh, just kind of gives me the confidence, you know, just if I do have any questions to ask them. And uh, obviously, if they see something that I'm doing wrong, it's not that they don't like they, they tell me because they understand the position, you know, so they, they know what they're talking about type of thing. Can you articulate that a little bit more? What, what is it about goalkeeping that's misunderstood? Um, I just feel like growing up, uh, just goalkeepers are kind of just pushed to the side, you know what I mean? Um, apart from the team and stuff, kind of just uh, – and then, like, kind of just expected to make 
every save type of thing. And whenever mm-hmm. they get beat, especially for example, like a near post shot, they're like, Oh, that should have been the goalkeeper's save. And uh, just putting the blame on the goalkeeper. But mm-hmm. then there's so many little aspects about the game that if one little thing goes wrong, you read the game wrong, you take one wrong step and you get beat near post. It's not necessarily always your fault. Um, even though it may seem like that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? To, to like the public and to everyone else. So. They, they they understand what it's like to like make a mistake and stuff as a goalkeeper. Right. Well, and and that you are still one of the eleven guys. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I, I want to get into your background a little bit, but speaking of goalkeeping, and, and how did you? Um, wh- when did when did goalkeeping become your thing? Uh, so it's kind of I never wanted it to be my thing really. Uh, my dad was <laughs> a, uh, my dad was a goalkeeper growing up. Um, in Mexico, and then I started. Okay. Playing, I started playing soccer. Um, he kind of wanted me to play goalie, but I was like, no, I don't want to. Just I don't want to be in goal. I, I don't like it. Um, I was scared to take shots and stuff. And then um, he finally put me in my first like soccer game. I get like eleven aside, or not even eleven aside. It was like seven aside indoor uh-huh. soccer. Okay. Um, was with, he coaching? Uh, was he dad coaching? Yeah, no, he was just. Uh, he was his friend who, who was, the, was oh. the head coach. And uh, uh-huh. for me, he goes, "Yeah, my son's a goalkeeper. Put him in goal." <laughs> What are, you, what are you doing? Yeah, thanks, Ed. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, so he, so I get put in goal for the first half and I, they scored like 10 goals on me. They had no oh. come off at halftime crying. I'm just, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, okay, get on, get, play as a midfielder. Uh-huh. I played as a midfielder, got an assist, and I was like, oh, this is me. Like, I'm, I'm a midfielder. <laughs> then, um, yeah, from age six to like age 11, I played, uh-huh. I was a midfielder and then, um, one of my final, one of my semifinals, our goalkeeper got injured, but we ma- ended up making it to the final. And then for the final, we needed a goalkeeper and we didn't have a backup. And then my dad's obviously, oh, my, my son's a goalkeeper. He can play. <laughs> I've never played goalie. I don't know. You tell everyone that. <laughs> he was so, willing it into existence. He just wanted it so bad. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he wanted it so bad. And, um, obviously, you know, uh, Mexican dad can't say no to him, so. <laughs> I ended up playing goalie that game. Uh, we ended up tying 0-0, went to penalties. And then when it came to penalties, I ended up saving them all. Um, what? Yeah, and then we ended up winning the, the final, the championship. And so from then on, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe I am a goalie. <laughs> Maybe I am. I kind of like playing goalie. So from then on, I uh, played a little more goalie. You know, I uh, kind of did half and half, midfield goalie, midfield goalie. And then uh-huh. I transitioned into full-time goalkeeper once uh, – I was like a U14 for like academy and stuff. And then from uh-huh. there, I've been a goalkeeper since. So, so you saved like, yeah, like a U, U12 or like 11 year old tournament game. Yeah. You saved five penalties. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I think it was four because. Four. Oh, right. Cause you, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If you're, but, uh, in, you wouldn't have had to save the last one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so are you teaching Bird Shipman how to save penalties now? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually no but burns actually pretty good uh good at penalties as well so yeah well that's what i mean he saved a couple this year yeah um so um well you mentioned academy you uh you you came through the minnesota thunder academy is that right i did yeah is, uh, you know just a, a minnesota being a, a just kind of a hotbed of youth soccer and creating a lot of great players um and then you end up at uh, northern illinois you got a few. You got a couple other offers uh, at the Division One and Two levels, but what um, what made you go to NIU? Um, I just think at the end of the day, it was uh, Coach Swan's um, just like belief in me. 
Uh-huh. Um, every time I spoke to him, uh, he just spoke to me like he, like he believed in me. I don't, I don't know. He just had like a certain thing about him. Um, sure. The coaching staff as a whole, him, Coach Bordelon, um, and at the time was a goalkeeping coach, Zach Brown, um, was the one that brought me in first. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they just had a lot of belief in me. And, uh, you know, Coach Zach Brown, when he was recruiting me, he, he actually flew to Minnesota to watch me train. So um, I think that was a huge part of it as well, that mm. they just showed that they cared a lot about me. Yeah. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, that was what mattered most to me. Mm-hmm. Rather than trying to go to like a big school, big name, uh, I wanted to go somewhere where, you know, they cared about me as a player, cared about me as a person, and mm-hmm. uh, just wanted me to succeed. And um, at the end of the day, I ended up going with them, and uh, it was a, a great choice. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, was there ever a moment where you're like deciding, do I go the club pre professional route versus the college route, or was there always college for you? Uh, college wasn't really a thought for me until my junior year of high school. Okay. Um, because I started playing Academy U14, but, um, yeah, I was just honestly in high school, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was a bad student. Um, I was very good at like taking tests. So because of that, I would never do any homework assignments. Um, I would just really do really good on tests uh-huh. the class in that way. Um, so, but then like when college started rolling around, like my coaches, my teachers, Hey, like you want to go to college like you need to like you know bump up your grades and stuff so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm like am I, am I good enough to go to college am I good enough to you know and mm-hmm. then um junior year is when a bunch of schools started reaching out to me and I was like oh okay. hey, maybe maybe I can play college soccer you know and uh uh-huh. more and more schools started reaching out then the more and more I got motivated to do well in school so I ended up picking up my GPA and uh studied a lot for um the ACT did re- really well in the ACT I think that's what uh, helped me a lot as well sure. going into college and um and yeah so like after tw- towards my senior year I was like yeah like I I, re- I really want to go to college my parents are pushing for it um, uh-huh sure and I was pushing for it as well so so yeah and, and then what'd you end up majoring in and uh and in- NIU I majored in uh, business management with an emphasis on leadership and then I was also working towards my digital marketing uh masters uh-huh but I didn't end up finishing it because I I was working on that during my 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 last semester, which was my redshirt season. Um, right. So you continued the, the taking those graduate courses to stay eligible to play yeah, exactly one, one more season at NIU. And then, how do you end up in Madison, or or what's the um, uh, process of of you're, you're getting ready to graduate? You're finishing your last season. Um, are you? you get an agent are you looking professional at pro soccer or are you weighing several different options or what's the how that uh, yeah so literally the morning of like where the first day of off season was after college after our first game the next morning um i, I already had my template ready for like to reach out to a bunch of agents uh mm-hmm. just kind of changed up the name and uh just kind of blasted this to a bunch of different agents and um you know uh didn't really get a lot of replies to be honest um it was kind of disappointing because i was like I didn't know anyone. Um, and uh, the guys that I reached out to a lot of friends, like, Hey, help me out. If you have an agent, like put me on, you know, uh-huh. um, tell your team about me. Here's my highlight. I was sending my highlights to everyone. Sure. Highlight to every agent, reaching out to any coach that I could, any old coach, if they knew anyone. Um, so yeah, like the first two weeks after off season, I was just, just reaching out to everyone in my mm-hmm. contacts, any contact that I had. Um, it's kind of difficult. Didn't get really hear anything back. Um, I did hear back from this one agent, uh, told me to give him a phone call. He gave me a phone call. Uh, we talked for a good, like, hour and a half. Oh, wow. 
when he kind of just explained to me because I, I i didn't really know the process of mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. becoming a professional you know what i mean yeah um, yeah but uh he kind of explained to me how it was it's a lot of like in, inside work and stuff uh the stuff that no one really talks about and he kind of made me understand that and he told me like yeah look to be honest i'm gonna be real with you i i know about you you know i think you're a good kid um but right now I have my client list is full mm-hmm. i'm gonna look into getting my clients like set up first and once i finish with all of them i can help you and i was like okay i appreciate that and um he he was like still willing to help me for free to like uh, he would send me like combines when uh, dates for combines. So nice. I signed up for a bunch of combines for in the months of December and January. And so those two months were just me going to combines, traveling. Uh, it's pretty expensive with like hotels and stuff. Cause obviously no one's covering that. Um, it's coming yeah. out of my pocket. Wow. And, um, and yeah, and it, it was, it was kind of hard because I was going to all these combines. I was playing really good. Coaches would tell me, Hey, you're playing really well. Like, what's your name? They they would seem really interested in me. And I would be like, yo, they're going to, they're going to hit me up. They're going to reach out to me. And then I wouldn't just never hear anything back. And I was like, like, what the heck, you know? Yeah. Why are you telling me that you love the way I play? And then you're not, you're not reaching out to me. After, you know, like, like at least like explain to me why you don't want me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was very frustrating. You know, I was kind of questioning myself. I was like, and like, am I, am I really built for this? Um, mm. And uh, yeah, it was getting towards the end of, or early, or yeah, late, end of January, uh-huh. and I still didn't have like any real like solid uh, teams that wanted me. Um, I had some NISA offers, but I really um, was trying to play USL League One or higher. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, and then I uh, didn't really hear anything from anyone. And then it was getting towards the end of January, which is like when teams are kind of wrapping up their their rosters and stuff. And so yep. I was pretty worried, and I was kind of coming to 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 terms with it, with it, where I was like, hey, like maybe maybe I won't get a I won't get a contract this year uh-huh but um you know I'll just, I'll just train this whole year and and wait for next season you know mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of crazy because uh, uh i'm very religious and um i was uh making making calls the morning that matt called me i was reaching out to uh offices to to, to clean um to like pick up like contracts to clean their offices and stuff and i was going to do that as a job while so i could support my training and stuff and uh that morning after i sent out all the emails to offices matt calls me he's like hey is Matt Glazier want to invite you out to preseason on trial with us? And I was like, Oh yeah, of course I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he was like, uh, yeah, like to be honest, like we might already have our, our second goalkeeper uh, already signed by the time you come in, but it would still be great to have you. And I was like, yeah, like I'll, I'll be there, you know, um, don't, don't need to tell me anything more. I'll, like I'll, I'll be there. And uh, so, yeah, I was kind of coming into it. Like my only opportunity is the only shot I got. They kind of told me they already had, we were talking to a goalkeeper. Um, but, you know, luckily I came in, uh, things worked out. They took it week by week. So like, if they liked me at the end of the week, they would invite me back for next week. End of the week, they would invite me back for next week. God, that's gotta be hard on you. It was, it was definitely hard, you know, but, um, you know, kept me on my toes, kept me, kept me hungry. And, uh, you know, and then they ended up towards at the end of the preseason, Matt said, Hey, look, we're going to have you on a, on a short-term deal. Um, and I was like, okay, that's, that's awesome. Like, I'll take it, uh, sign me on a short-term deal. And, um, you know, it was, it was still kind of like, it was only like a, like, I think a 30 day contract, so yeah, 25 days, 25 day contract, something like yeah. that. So like I had, I had my first contract, but it wasn't like for the full season, you know? Yeah. So I had to continue to, 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 to try to earn the full season contract. And, um, you know, I just kept working, kept working, kept working towards the end of that, um, Mac, bring him into the office and he's all like hey 
Like, congratulations. We're looking to just bring you in for the rest of the season. Now, you, you, you've been great for the time that you've been here. Um, no complaints. Like, you've improved so much. Uh, and we would love to, you know, just keep having you keep having you on the team and have you be a part of the team. So, yeah, I ended up signing my my first professional contract. Uh -huh. And, uh, yep. I mean, I'm here now, so. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. I mean, I, and just watching you uh, the other night, I mean, obviously Matt made the right call there. Um, what was that? What do you do then? You, you say you've, it, you know, clearly you're, you're, you've been grinding and you've been doing it on your own dime and, and you're not, you know, this, and I think this is the the part of professional sports people maybe don't see, right? We're look, you, you're watching NBA guys or whatever, um, that these guys that are in college that are obviously going to get drafted. Right. Yeah. And, and it's kind of, they never have to actually do it. Right. But you're, yeah. you're, you have to like, Travel. You have to get an agent to help you for free, to, to for to send you the dates and times of the combines. You have to go there on your own time. You got to do it, and you got to wait. Yeah. And then you got to come to a training camp in the preseason, and you got to wait every week to see yep. if you can stay on. And then you finally get it, and you're like, "I'm here for this at least one season. I'm going to be a professional soccer player." Yeah. How does that feel? And do you like? And who do you call at that moment? Uh, like call once I once I sign. Yeah, what's your sign? You're calling your mom. You're calling your dad. Uh, who are you calling? Definitely, definitely calling my mom. You know, uh, she's a huge part of uh, as to why I'm here. Yeah, uh, just my family in general just gave up um, so much. They did so much for me. Um, worked so many hours for, for like all, all just to like help me be here. You know, um, they definitely helped me financially, helped me emotionally. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a big thing to them. They were the first people to call. Um, you know, I, I called my friends. I called my girlfriend. Um, just kind of told everyone that was close to me that I was like, Hey, finally did it. You know, I kind of reached out to them and whoever like helped me within the past couple of years. I was like, Hey, appreciate you so much. I wouldn't have done this without you. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, now that I'm here, I'm, uh, I'm not planning on only playing for one year. I'm planning to play for a while. So, um, yeah, just, uh, trying to enjoy the season as much as I can and, uh, hopefully get some minutes, um, as well mm -hmm. um, and try to get another contract next year as well. So. Yeah, uh, Matt, you mentioned that Matt told you you improved during that 25-day contract period. Anything specific you can think of that you got better at during that, you know, that sort of brief opening short-term contract period? Um, they, they said, or J JP was uh, saying, I definitely got better at my shot stopping. Um, well, it's kind of key for a goalkeeper. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I think I was already a pretty good shot stopper, but just yeah. because, of, because of my height, I'm not the tallest goalkeeper, you know. Ah, uh, sure. Mm-hmm my range has to be a little better than mm -hmm. all the goalkeepers and sure. um, just like my sharpness of my footwork, sharpness with handling sharpness with everything with, when it comes to shot stopping mm -hmm. needed to be a lot better, especially with the level. And um, I, I think I definitely, definitely got better, especially with the strikers we have here. They're, they're re really good at shooting. So I think, like I said, yeah. they made me a way better goalkeeper than, than I used to be. So what, um, what, what's the difference in, in, in uh, other than obviously just everybody's slightly better. Um, what's the difference between training with professionals versus training with your college, uh, with the college team? Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, I told JP about this, uh, and I tell Bernie this all, all the time as well, because uh, Bernie never played college soccer, so he doesn't know right. what college soccer is like. Um, mm -hmm. he's, he's been a pro for a while, and I, I tell him like college, college is uh, college training is a lot harder than professional training. Really? Uh, yeah, like professional training, the quality is so much higher. Everyone's so much better. But it's so much more, I don't know, I don't know if the right word is laid back, but obviously we're all working hard, but uh -huh. it's not as like, 
as, as long as, as of a period of working hard than it is like college. Like college, every single day was like a 30-minute hard goalkeeper session and then to join the team for like another hour, hour and a half, and it would like work, 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 work. At the end of it, I'm dead. Got to do it all again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Over here in the pro, they uh, we're getting paid and we get paid to, to get results. So they care a little more about like our 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 health, uh, make sure making sure our bodies are fresh for the game. Mm-hmm. So yes, we do go hard, we do go 100%, but it's not for as long of a period like for some days like a game day minus 1, we'll only have training for like an, like 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a super light, quick 15 minute goalkeeper session and it's nothing crazy. It's not like we're diving all over the place. It's simple. <laughs> boom, handle catch, boom, handle catch. Yeah. Simple stuff. But it's super important just to keep us sharp, to keep us fresh uh, for the game and stuff. And uh, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's not like, like I said, it was laid back, but it's not laid back where like you're relaxing. You still have to be super focused for it. You got to try to make everything as perfect as you can. But, um, but maybe, maybe you don't have a drill sergeant yelling in your ear. Yeah, you don't have a drill sergeant. <laughs> are, are, you, are you guys sort of expected to take some responsibility for your own like personal fitness? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, like yeah. just cardiovascular fitness and stuff like that. You don't have to necessarily do big cardio sessions as a team. then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. we, we do have team lifts. Um, every, okay. I think it, it depends on how our schedule is looking, but yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes we have like a two a day where we'll lift and then we'll train. But, uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, a lot of, a lot of us kind of do, do lifting on our own. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, you kind of hinted at this, but I'm, I'm curious what, um, what's kind of next for you? I mean, obviously you're, you're focused on this season and uh, staying sharp and, and, you know, if your name gets called, um, but what are your, what are your goals? Uh, you know, how high do you think you can go? Uh, yeah. I mean, the ultimate goal, obviously for me, I think is the, to try to play MLS, you know, yeah. I think that's the ultimate goal for me. Um, but as of right now, um, <clears throat> short term for this year is, uh, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a backup goalkeeper, but it's not, like I'm, I'm the backup goalkeeper to the best goalkeeper in the league right now. So, um, you know, there's not much I can do in my situation when it comes to like playing time, other than just be patient and keep learning, you know, Mm -hmm. be the best teammate that I can be. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like I've spoken to a lot of people. I've spoken to my agents, I've spoken to teammates, uh, and they like, they, they've, what they've told me and that I agree with is that for me, in terms of having a successful season, what it looks like for me as a first year pro wouldn't be to, become a starter, get minutes and get signed by another team. I, it would be more of um, having Ford Madison want me back. Um, mm. That would mean that I had a successful season because I'm a good enough goalkeeper to bring back for another year and hopefully be able to <laughs> play next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the goal is to either get re-signed or to, you know, have uh, uh, be signed by another USL league one team. Sure. Um and uh, be able to be a starter in the next couple of years and and then in a team somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and if, if you do come back, uh, if Madison does want you back and you want to stay in Madison, um, how are you enjoying Madison? I mean, just, are you getting around town at all or? Uh, yeah, I actually really love it. Um, I tell Eric Connerty and Robert screen all the time that we're always hanging out. Um, but uh, yeah, so being from Minnesota and being so close to Madison, yeah. and, uh, I would always pass by Madison, especially driving from Minnesota to DeKalb. Um, to my university in Illinois. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'd always pass by Madison, but I never stopped by and um, I never knew how pretty it was. Like, it's actually a really, really, really nice city. And uh, yeah. I really like it. It's kind of like a, like a mini Minneapolis. It's very similar. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To the lakes and stuff, but mm-hmm. 
I think it's better because there's less people. There's not as much traffic. So. <laughs> That's it, Madison. Like Minneapolis, less traffic. We love yeah. it. All right. <laughs> Martin Sanchez, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you a little bit. And uh, I know our listeners will be, uh, will be very happy to hear from you. So, again, congrats on a great performance the other night. And uh, best of luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, now let's go around the league and uh, look ahead a little bit. Um, on Tuesday last week, <clears throat> as we mentioned, Omaha went to Knoxville and got a 2-1 win. Knoxville did get out in front early on kind of a chaos pinball goal. And then uh, Junior Palacios equalized and just a banger of a free kick from 25 yards or so out uh, for Omaha. It was an incredible free kick. Uh, Luca Mastantonio did get sent off in the 82nd minute. Um, really bad call, as we mentioned, but um, despite going down a man, Omaha got a winner from Dion Akoff four minutes into stoppage time, uh, which proving again that Omaha should just, just play with 10, play with 10 guys. And they won a couple games last year, down a man. Uh, then Wednesday, Charlotte Independence at home get a 1-0 win over Greenville. Jared Mazzola stood on his head for this one uh, for Greenville. Had nine saves, at least three of them that I saw worthy of a save of the week nomination. Um, but <clears throat> in this one, after um, the allotted four minutes of stoppage time had already elapsed, uh, Clay Dimmick gets a touch to a chaotic bouncing ball and gets a win for Charlotte in front of 684 rab- rabid fans <laughs> who went nuts. Uh, for the Charlotte win over Greenville, then Charlotte uh, does not bounce, does not win the next one. They don't go two in a row. On Saturday, they fall at home to Central Valley, two to one. Um, the Jacks carried that momentum from the Greenville win, the stoppage time winner against Greenville, uh, into this one. And um, Chris Rambuyu scored for Charlotte an incredible scissor volley just four minutes in. Um, but then Maximus Eck. Equalized for Central Valley, and Jordan Chavez gets the winner in the 39th minute. No scoring in the second half, and it ends 2-1 in favor of Central Valley, who are uh, maybe off the mat now. We'll have to see. Uh, <clears throat> Lexington, 3-0 over Omaha at home. The Green Steeds, which is what I call them now. I don't care what anybody says. I'm calling them the Green Steeds of Lexington. The biggest win of their brief history. Nico Brown, Alessane Atis Diaf. And uh, Khalid Balogun, all tally for the home side. Really, really questionable and shaky, depending by Omaha uh, all night long in this one. Um, Chattanooga comes to Knoxville and beats one Knox three to two. Uh, this is the rubber match of the Tennessee Derby, which ESPN Plus continues to call the Smoky Mountain Smackdown. I am not going to do that. Jenny, Jimmy Villalobos. Finished a really nicely worked team goal in the 12th minute for Knoxville. And it stayed 1-0 until the hour mark. Then the two sides traded four goals in, in, a, in a span of 20 minutes. First, Riley Kraft equalized from for the Red Wolves and a massive free kick from about 30 yards away. Then uh, Callum Johnson gave one Knox to lead at the end uh, of a blistering counterattack. And then uh, Siobhan Marsh equalized from the spot and then scored the winner in the 80th. Uh, so that one uh, goes to Chattanooga 3-2 over Knoxville. Greenville go to Statesboro and get a 2-1 win over Tormenta. 
Greenville got a brace from Leo Castro inside the first 25 minutes. That's all they would need. The first goal came in the fourth minute. Very nice through ball from Noah Pilato. Definitely uh, a candidate for assist of the week. And then the second uh, came in the 25th minute on another really nice cross from Alan Galvanias. Our old friend Matthias Cassini got one back with a tap in. I think he scored it with his uh, with his stomach or his chest or something. Uh, shades of uh, Giro's goal against El Paso Locomotive way back in 2019, <laughs> where the ball kind of bounced in front of him. He sort of poked at it with his gut, and it went in. Um, uh, but <clears throat> anyway, that wasn't enough for Tormenta. Uh, Northern Colorado gets a three-win, three-one win over Richmond. They stay hot, and they're beginning to pull away in the standings, which we'll get to in a minute. Hillstorm scored all four goals in this one, beginning with an own goal in the 17th minute. Um, and we, for a minute there, we were have they were looking a little bit vulnerable for the first time in like three months. Leo Fala, uh, the defender for for Northern Colorado, and their goalkeeper Lalo Delgado got a bit crossed up, a bit of miscommunication. Uh, Fala sort of tapped it in his own goal. But then, so it's 1-0 at halftime. They're losing for the first time in a long time. And uh, But then second half is all hailstorm. They got goals from Lucky Opera with his first of the season. Marky Hernandez with a tap-in on another sort of pinball chaos kind of goal. Uh, and then Billy King with an amazing finish on a really fast counterattack. Northern Colorado now 12 games unbeaten the longest streak in league history. And as we turn to look at the standings, they are now six points ahead of Madison. They're five points clear of second place, Um, which I don't think you could have said this time last year. I think at this time last year, someone will look back and correct me on this, but there was like, at this point last year, there was like five or six points separating first through sixth. Now it's five points separating first and second because Northern Colorado is becoming dominant. Um, Charlotte's win over Greenville on Wednesday put them on 30 points and in second place, uh, while Northern Colorado have 35. However, grain of salt there, Charlotte has already played 20 matches. So they're going to be idle. They were idle this weekend. They're going to be idle next weekend. They're going to be not playing games while the rest of us can leapfrog them. Right, Madison is now in third place with 29 points from 17 matches. Uh, Greenville and North Carolina, both right behind with 28, and Omaha with 25 in sixth, rounding out the clubs that are in playoff contention. So now we look ahead. We have uh, after 10 days off, right? 10 days since that uh, draw. Um. In North Carolina, we now have five games in the next 16 days. But four of those games are at home. We host Tormenta Wednesday. And if you come to that match, stay and watch the United States women play against Netherlands on the big board. The, the four Madison games at six. The women's team plays at eight. So it's perfectly lined up. Um, and then we host Greenville on Saturday. Then we wait a week and we go away at Richmond on August 5th to renew the Henny Derby. And then we're home uh, Wednesday, August 9th against Chattanooga. And then we're home again Saturday against Knoxville. 
So again, home against Tormenta Wednesday, Greenville Saturday, away to Richmond the following Saturday, and then it's a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday again to begin August, away at Richmond on the 5th, home against Chattanooga on the 9th, home against Knoxville on the 12th. All of those games feel winnable to me, and we're going to have to to keep pace with Northern Colorado. Um, I'm going to have to to keep pace to keep ahead of Omaha, which is only three points, four points behind us, four points behind us. So this number six spot, which is the playoff line, is only four points behind us. So we have to keep winning and getting results to to keep pace. Um, Northern Colorado will play North Carolina Wednesday while we are hosting Tormenta, and then they go to uh, and then they go to Charlotte on Saturday. Both of those games are away at North at North Carolina and then at Charlotte. So we'll keep an eye on those games. Um, if those games go well for North Colorado and our games go poorly for us, they could they could be nine nine points ahead of us. In really short order. I mean, theoretically, they could be 12 points ahead of us at the end of this week. Um, again, they've, they're have they unbeaten in 12. They're going to have to stumble at some point. Um, they cannot win or draw every match, can they? Can they? I don't know. Maybe they can. Again, Charlotte seemed to have found something. In the first half of the game. Um, no, not Charlotte. Richmond. Sorry, Richmond seemed to have found something in the first half of that game to keep them vulnerable. But So anyway, so that's uh, that's where we sit. Um, we will see you on Wednesday. I'll be there. I hope you'll be there. And if, if you see me there, say hi. Um, I, I will tell you, um, I never get used to it. It always surprises me. But almost every home game this year, I've had at least one or two people say, "Hey, I love the podcast. Keep up the good work. I listen to your podcast." You know, um, which is always a little nerve wracking because I'm I'm kind of socially awkward, right? And when somebody says, "Hey, Rob," um, I'm searching my memory to figure out who you are, and uh, so I like, "Hey," and I'm trying to, and I'm thinking, I'm panicking a little bit, thinking like I should know you, but I don't. And then you say, like, I love your podcast. And then I say, okay, that's why I don't know you. <laughs> you know me. Uh, so if you see me there, if you know what I look like, if you see me, if you follow this on Twitter at all, I do post selfies occasionally. Um, do say hello. And I apologize in advance if I if I don't respond socially in a socially appropriate manner. Uh, what I usually say is, oh, thanks. But what I should say is thank you, thank you, thank you so much. In all sincerity, in all seriousness, thank you for listening. Um, I do this. We do this. We as a team, as a podcasting collective, do this. And then I know the guys at New Dog Magazine do this too. Um, Andrew and Grant. Um, they, they put out their magazine. They put out their audio situations. They they do their radio show. Now they have a radio show. Did you, did you know New Dog Magazine has a radio show on Wart? Um and we do this podcast here because we love it. We don't get paid for this. The club does not give us anything other than media credentials to be at the matches so that we can we can talk credibly about them. Right? They, they're not sponsoring us. They don't tell us what to say. 
and they don't and they certainly don't pay us so we don't really have sponsors or anything at this point but this is my opportunity to spend an hour a week talking about soccer with my friends which is um something of, i can't tell you how much i wanted to do that like my entire life uh, i can remember a very specific moment in 1995 when MLS was, we knew MLS was coming, but we didn't know what it would be yet. Uh, and I had been to England for a semester. And I uh, had seen what football on TV can do. And I had been able to watch football on TV. And I said, I was sitting down with the women's soccer coach at my college. I worked with in a different and in a non-soccer capacity. I worked with this guy, but we were both soccer guys. And um, I said to him, there's going to be a time when people watch soccer all weekend instead of football, instead of American football. So it's coming. It'll come. There will be a time when we talk about soccer, we watch soccer all weekend. And that time is now, friends. The time is here. It took 30 years, but it's here. And uh, I am just thrilled to be part of it. And I said this many times last year, when our team is bad, uh, at least it's so wonderful to have our own club to be sad about. And it's uh, our own new group of friends to be sad together with. And I've made friends with many of you, and you know who I'm talking about when a whole group of us went to Lexington and we be, and, and, and guys that I see in the flock end and, and, and folks that, that are just around the stadium that I know now that I didn't know before that, you know, are, are my soccer friends, but there are folks who I've never met who grab me and say, Hey, is that Rob? Is that Rob Chapel? Rob, love your podcast. And, and, and I will. And when you say that to me, I will make an effort to say genuinely, thank you. But if I'm taken aback, <laughs> uh, please forgive me because I'm still not used to it. But what I want to say is, I'm not sure where I'll be sitting on on Wednesday. If we get seats, we're usually in 108. Um, if we don't get seats, I'm wandering the sidelines, and um, and you might see me. And if you do, say hey, say hi, and um, we'll be friends. We'll be soccer friends. All right, enough sentimentality from me. Talking Flock is a production of the Soda Soccer Network. Jeremy Rushing, producer. I'm your host, Rob Chapel. Thank you again to Martin Sanchez. Uh, and uh, we will uh, we'll see you soon. See you Wednesday. Have a great week.